everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Welcome to episode 9 of the Lee Evie Korean Drama Podcast Show. I am really looking forward to discussing today's drama with you. This is one of my all-time favorites in my top 10 or whatever it is that is my top. And that is Arung and the Magistrate. I love this drama. So it actually came out in 2012, which is quite a while ago now, it being 2019 as I record this. And I did watch this one while it aired. It was an interesting watch for me and I do remember not feeling completely hooked at the beginning of the show, but once the romance really kicked in, I remember being all over it. I just loved it. Interestingly enough, um, I've rewatched it many, many times since then. And a lot of the times that I've rewatched it, I have actually sensed that, you know, the romance starts quite early in the show. But I do remember that first time I watched it, I didn't really feel it for quite a while. And I, I didn't I actually thought there was no romance, which is quite interesting. Um, the beginning of this show definitely has like a bickering romance vibe um, between the two lead characters. So, of course, there's Arung, who is played by the absolutely beautiful and lovely Shimina. And I had seen her in other dramas and in movies at the time that this aired, uh, particularly, obviously, her, you know, hugely famous drama, uh, My Girlfriend is a Gumiho. So I'd seen her in that and I really liked her. This is actually my absolute favorite performance by her. I think she is just wonderful in this drama. She is so good. And the male lead in this is a character called Anno, and he is played by Lee Jun-gi. So Lee Jun-gi is one of my absolute favorite actors, which I've mentioned on a previous podcast. I think he's wonderful. This was actually the very first drama I saw him in. And to be honest, it took me a while to warm to him, which is really interesting. Um, I think so often with actors and actresses, there might be someone that really charms you straight away, but they might not be a lasting favorite, um, or at least that's how I've sort of found it. But quite often um, there might be people that sort of just, they're very, I don't know, maybe unconventionally charming and they just get under your skin and you start to really appreciate their acting abilities after a while as maybe you get used to them and you end up really, really loving them. So Lee Jun-ki is an actor like that for me. I've watched 
you know, I've at least tried, I think, pretty much all his dramas now. And he tends to pick things that I think kind of suit me. He picks um, a lot of Saguk dramas, historical things that I find really interesting. So I definitely try and follow him around Dramaland. But he also picks some real doozies. Like I think he was in Criminal Minds last year. It was terrible. I just I couldn't do it. So that was very sad. So I'm pretty sure that this was actually his comeback project after ARMY, which obviously, you know, I hadn't had two years with him not in Dramaland because I didn't know who he was before this drama. But definitely, I think Shin Mina and Lee Ki in this, it's some of their career bests, in my opinion. I just love it. I am not sure if you have yet noticed the pattern, but basically when I start discussing one of my absolute favourite K-dramas of all time, I'm kind of putting them into the structure of 10 reasons to love, so that I can basically just rant about how lovely the shows are and how much I enjoy them. So this is a 10 reasons to love Arung and the Magistrate episode. Uh, I guess I just wanted to start off with some little bits of information that I find quite fascinating. So Arang is a tale. It's a Korean uh, folklore tale that is very, very famous. And it is actually a ghost story. So what I wanted to do just to start off my little discussion today was read a little overview of what that actual original folk tale was, because it's quite creepy as most you know ghost stories are meant to be and quite disturbing because you know it happened in Joseon times and things were frankly pretty shit back then as they were around most places in the world back then uh, but I do think it's quite a creepy little tale so I wanted to begin by reading you this according to the legend Arang was the daughter of a magistrate of Milyang during the Jonas jo Joseon dynasty her wicked nanny conspired to have the servant, Becca, seize her at night and rape her. Oh. However, she resisted and Becca stabbed her to death. Her father, thinking Arang had eloped with a stranger, resigned his position in shame. Thereafter, whenever a new magistrate was appointed, Arang's corpse would appear. Soon no one would take the position. At last, a bold man named Yi Sang Sa was appointed to the post and he promised Arang's ghost that he would avenge her. He had Becca seized and executed. Thereafter, her spirit ceased to trouble the town. So that is a pretty disturbing little story, I think. Um, and yeah, the rape part, ugh, not so nice. Um, so basically, the entry also mentions that there's actually a shrine uh, where Arang's spirit is venerated, which still stands now in Milyang. So that's very interesting. I think that would be quite an interesting, very interesting local folklore. And I really like that this drama, you can see shades of how the drama has taken some very big aspects of that, you know, little ghost story and put them into the drama, which I really, really like. The other thing I wanted to read you before I get started on my 10 reasons to love this absolutely charming show is the actual opening quote from episode one of Arang and the Magistrate. So let me try and read you this. I wrote it down when I was watching it and my handwriting is actually pretty shit. So I'm going to do my best. It is the Joseon era. Avarice has thrown the world into chaos and nature into devastation. The dead run free as the line blurs between this life and the next. Though the dead can see the living, the living cannot see the dead. 
One young man has the ability to see beyond. He heads to Milyang in search of his mother, who vanished three years ago. So frankly, that is such a cool, creepy, atmospheric way to start the drama. I just loved it. I've watched the show, you know, just so many times. Um, and, you know, each time I watch it, it's been, you know, maybe a year or so between. So I totally forgot about that opening quote, which I enjoyed so much, which is why I wanted to read it out, just because I think it really sets the tone and it sets the scene. It's quite atmospheric and vivid and creepy. But of course, once this voiceover finishes, the camera actually pans down to Idrun Keep his character, Anno, who is like lounging out or cool looking on a rock. And you hear that uh, his manservant or his slave, actually, which is kind of weird, but we'll just gloss over that. Dolso is actually like doing a poop behind a rock. So, you know, things go downhill in terms of like creepy and atmosphere and get pretty silly as K-dramas want to do. But it is a really cool opening. So let's get started. My number one reason to love Arung and the Magistrate is the setting. It's the film locations. This is such a beautiful drama. And I feel like I say that every time I watch a Sagok. Um, you know, I just love all the Joseon era stuff. I love the costumes. I love, you know, the sets where they film these. I love the Hanok houses. I just love everything about it. But at the same time, I do feel like this drama particularly is very special in the kind of atmosphere that the natural setting brings to the story. Um, a lot of it is filmed in these very moody, misty forests, very creepy and, you know, heavy with shrouded mist and just really atmospheric. Um, they go at one point, you know, um, up into the forest and they're literally digging up a mass grave and it is so creepy next to this you know dilapidated rotting hut it's very vivid imagery and I, I really found it quite creepy and it really gets under your skin there's a lot of mythology in this so the way that that comes across also I think is wonderful they use a lot of natural settings you know when they're not using crazy green screens um, with CGI but there is a lot of natural settings which they use to sort of get across this otherworldliness so for instance there's one of my favorite scenes in the whole drama Arang when she, it's a flashback of how she died so Arang is a ghost and we see that when she first died she goes to the river Styx and she goes on this insane journey through this, you know, like algae covered river and the colors and the scenery is just beautiful. The natural setting in this show is gorgeous. The other kind of setting that they use quite often in this is the riverside. So there's cliffs in the mountains and then this kind of sweeping river landscape with, um, you know, long wavering grasses beside this wide, slow river with the mountains in the distance all hazy. And, um, you know, Arang and Ano are often down there or riding horses down there or going down there when they need, you know, time to breathe and time away from the more bustling village. And these kind of scenery shots, um, they just, oh, they create such a feeling about this show that I just love. I have to say the slight creepiness to the mythology in this really works for me. The second reason to love this K-drama, 
I think is the mythology. So I touched on that a little bit in my reason number one. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about what I feel like it really means to me. The mythology of this show is, I think, from a writing point of view, really cleverly done. And I guess um, to kind of explain what I mean, I thought I might give you an example of you know, perhaps bad world building. So quite often in movies and dramas and particularly novels, um, writers are very much sort of put down for a, a certain type of world building that I think is, you know, it's not very good. So basically, you know, if you're writing something that's set in the real world, the real world has rules, it has consequences, it has, you know, logic, um, everyone understands that. So, you know, it's easy to write a story set in the real world. But if you're writing a story set in a version of the world, you know, that has magic or it has gods and legends like this drama does, I think things get more complicated um, and as a writer, it's very easy to use the mythology that you're trying to create or say the magic or the supernatural elements almost as a storytelling crutch. And this is a terrible thing to do if you are trying to write, you know, a proper, comprehensive, great, solid story. So basically what I mean by that is that a writer can use magic to get their characters out of trouble you know, over and over again. So you can set up at the start of a story that one character, say, has a magical ability or whatever. And then every time that character gets into trouble, the magic ability will pull out something new and amazing that it'll do to kind of like get them out of that problem. Which means that it's almost like the rules of that magic are changing to suit the plot. So you're actually sort of making it up as you go just to serve your story. So it becomes a crutch to the story that you're trying to tell. Whilst I think like a proper world building, you know, like a fantasy world or a world like this with this mythology element, when it's done right, uh, basically the magic in your story needs to have proper consequences. So it can't serve your story. The story needs to exist and it needs to have a proper sort of mythology and magical system that runs alongside the story. And it almost needs to create problems rather than fix them to kind of feel a little bit more real world. So basically the idea is magic can obviously do anything or, you know, gods can do anything in the case of this drama, but there still has to be rules. And most importantly of all, there has to be consequences. So for an example of what I think this drama does so well with that mythology side is that so basically there's these two gods the king of heaven and the king of hell and they're sitting up in the sky in front of this CGI green screen which when I first watched this it was actually on a DVD <laughs> before I had the internet and they kind of forgot to you know CGI it so they literally were in front of a green screen for like one whole episode which was you know pretty terrible. So these gods they strike a bargain with Arung. Arung is a ghost and she wants to know her true identity. So when her time is up Instead of going quietly when she's sort of forced to, you know, go, she strikes up a bargain that she wants to go and find out who did this to her and she wants to make them pay. And the gods bring her back to life. 
So immediately in a story, if you have a character who's dead, who gets brought back to life, that can then sort of, I guess, set the scene of the idea that death isn't a problem in this world, that death has no consequences. And that's really not what you want to do because immediately that lowers the stakes. So for instance, if one of your favorite characters is in danger and they're about to die, as a viewer, you're going to be like, eh, whatever, maybe the gods will just bring them back. It's all good. Everything's easy. But this drama immediately sets it up so that we realize that although Arang has been brought back from the dead and yes she is human there are massive consequences to the magic involved in that action we realize immediately that the gods you know they're they're playing this endless game of push and pull to sort of gain dominion over the world but neither of them has the ability to do anything they want. They are bound by rules and regulations. There's so much at stake that they can't just act and do whatever they want. And on top of that, we immediately see that although Orang has been brought back from the dead, she has a time limit. She has a time limit to solve the mystery of her identity and who killed her. And if she can't do it within that time, she will not only die again, she will cease to exist. So not only is that a consequence, but it's a much worse consequence than it would have been if she hadn't set out on the mission in the first place. So that is such a good example of creating a really well-structured mythology that you know, runs the whole way through the drama that is all about push and pull and creating rules and then creating consequences. So when anyone acts in this drama, it does ricochet, it does create conflict. And I, you know, as a storyteller or as a writer, you know, I, I think about stories a lot and I try to approach, you know, watching dramas and watching movies from that sort of writer perspective to try and understand why something works and why something else maybe doesn't work. And this drama really works. I love the mythology in this. It is just, not only does it look fucking cool, it's actually from a writing perspective, just really written very solidly, which I so appreciate. My third reason to love this drama would be the character of Arun. So like I mentioned earlier, like Shin Mina is just beautiful. I just love watching her on screen. I think this is one of her best roles ever. She is, I guess, like you could say luminous. She's so charming in this. Um, Arung as a character is also really, really fantastic. At the start of the at the very start of the drama, she's basically like rough as guts. She's very plucky. She's very fierce. And, you know, physically, she's very, very capable. She can fight and she's very scrappy. And she's very, very strong, opinionated, kind of out there character. So I really, really loved her. You know, like, I guess, you know, for a female lead, she's a very strong female lead. So I really enjoyed watching her as a ghost sort of, I guess she has quite a different personality at the start as she does going through the drama. And obviously that's what you want. You want someone to develop and change. The only flaw I'd say in this entire show, if, you know, the only thing I could pick out is that I do feel, well, at the start, I love how strong and out there and sort of fierce she is. I love the development as she begins to understand her true identity and discover, you know, 
who killed her basically that's what she wants to know who was she when she was alive and who killed her and obviously the realization of you know starting to understand who she was and how she was it does change her and one thing I love is that it doesn't turn her back into who she was before she died which was a very you know a very high class noble woman who hadn't really experienced the world and who was sort of suffering from this extreme unrequited love of this young gentleman who she didn't know at all and it's this very romantic love but you know it's not she doesn't know him so it's not fully real but I did love the effect that this understanding of who she used to be had on the current Aram but what I really love is that she develops into someone new entirely, someone who understands who she used to be, but someone who has had the experience of being a ghost and this, you know, independent streak and this life that she's lead, led and, you know, the suffering that she's been through. It, it creates her into someone new entirely, which I really liked. But like I mentioned, for the floor, I do feel that at the very, very end of this drama, Arung sort of seems to have less to do and I find it really odd in a drama that you know if someone asked me who was the main character in this show I wouldn't really say Ijun Ki's character Uno even though you know he has a massive role and he has so much to do I would say that Arung was the main role she is the protagonist of this story and yet I do feel that by the very very end she is relegated a little bit into you know a savior sort of she has to be saved sort of position which I'm not crash hot about but it is very very minor in the scheme of the story and the scheme of how completely cool she is for I think like 80% of the show she just makes some questionable sort of you know noble sacrifice kind of decisions later on that I just feel are a little bit out of cam uh, out of character for her and I just don't really see that she would have been so passive or you know she's I think she's a bit more of an action kind of person and I don't think her character reflected that the whole way through uh, but I really really love the character of Arang I think she's completely fantastic The number four reason to love this K-drama would be Ijun Ki's character, Ano. So I actually think that Ano might be one of my favorite um, Korean, you know, male leads of all time. I think he's such a completely wonderful character. I do think maybe I have a bit of a type because one of my other favorite leads of all time would be the character of Park Yu in Tamra the Island. And I can see some similarities between them. Uh, in Arang, Ano is basically, he is the son of a very, very powerful and high up uh, nobleman. But I think he was an ex-prime minister back in Hanyang. But Ano is actually the son of a slave. And so therefore he doesn't have the same status that other noblemen would have. So that's very, very interesting for a character, uh, a character trait immediately. The other thing I like is that Ano gets along with his dad really well. Like there's a lot of kind of like daddy issues, I think, in K-dramas for the male leads. But Ono has more, he has some mummy issues. So don't worry, he still has some parental issues, clearly. 
The other thing that is interesting about Ono is that he can see ghosts and he's been able to see ghosts his entire life. And I do think that has shaped him massively. You know, he's gotten to a point now as an adult where he just straight out pretends that he can't because it's too much trouble. You know, ghosts want him to do things. People think he's crazy because he's talking to nobody in the street. And I think it has, like his whole life experiences have shaped him into someone who has decided not to give a shit about anything. But the one thing that he does care about is his mother. So his mother has this backstory where she was obviously a noblewoman who was struck down to be a slave and she is forever swearing vengeance against the people that marked her family as traitors and she cannot let it go. And she cannot let it go to the point where she has neglected to love her son and that is why Anno is so, you know, conflicted and sad. Uh, and he has come to Milyoung because this is the last place that his mother has been seen. So he has come to search her out. And of course, he gets entangled with Arang's own search for her, you know, her own identity from when she was alive and who killed her. Because within Arang's possession is a hairpin that Anno actually gave his mother. And anything that Arang has as a ghost, you know, her clothes basically is all she has, plus this hairpin. It means she died with those things on her possession, which therefore means that Arang met Ano's mother before Arang died. So it's a really interesting setup. Uh, like I said earlier, this was my first ever Lee Jun Ki drama, and I have to admit, he took a little while to grow on me, which just seems crazy now because I love him so much. He's so good. Um, but I, I must say that if I had to pinpoint the, it's going to make me sound so petty, but the point where he becomes a magistrate, uh, not the point where he becomes a magistrate, which Arang sort of orchestrates so she can get what she wants and they're just bickering at each other's throats at this point but the point when he decides to be a magistrate not just have that mantle to help him if he needs it or not he dons the magistrate outfit and he looks very very nice in the black and red and yellow he looks very very cool and he decides to kind of take ownership and do the right thing. And you get the impression that this isn't something he would normally do. And at first he's sort of taking on to be a magistrate because he wants to solve this mystery. It gives him access to records. It gives him access to people to do his dirty work, like, you know, dig up mass graves in the mountains or whatever. But eventually that morphs into him realizing that, you know, the big bads in this drama, which is this noble family who basically rule Milyang are completely treating all the peasant people and the slaves in this town like absolute shit. And he starts to stand up for what's right. I love the character growth of Ano in this drama. It is really well done. You know, he starts off as someone who is very purposely attempting not to give a shit about anything. And obviously he gets entangled with everything and you find out he does care. He cares a lot. And the other point that is amazing with him is seeing him fall in love with Ayan, uh, Arang. I think the number five reason to love Arung and the Magistrate would be the mystery. I think the story itself within this drama is very clever and it is very layered and there is sort of a lot of push and pull to 
between all different elements. You know, you have the protagonists who are both searching out their individual uh, kind of mysteries, I suppose, and they seem very earthbound and small, and yet they both hook into these very grand big plots that uh, have supernatural elements and, you know, link all the way back to gods and, you know, um, centuries old evil. It's, it's very, very cleverly done. So I really enjoyed that. The other thing I really like about the mystery elements is it has a very, you know, for a show that has gods and mythology and everything that it does, it has a very gritty feel to it as well. Like some of the scenes that I feel really got under my skin because they're so vivid and creepy is one when Ano is up in the mountains and he manages to kind of find this this strange site in the forest that turns out to be a mass grave. But this grave has been hidden with these talismans so that no one can see that it's there. As in, no one up in, you know, the other planes of the world, like the king of hell or the king of heaven, can't see that this grave is there. And it's very creepy. You know, he's digging through dirt and, you know, sticking his fingernails into it. And there's all these bones and these leftover clothes and hair clips. And, you know, it's very very frightening, I think. So um, scenes like that really got under my skin. Another mystery element that's just done so well is the idea that as the king of heaven and the king of hell up in, you know, wherever they are, the sky, I don't know, they're playing this game of Baruch. And we see them sort of having this push and pull with this game. And eventually you realize that as one of them is slightly winning this never-ending game, their actions are being reflected down on earth. They're actually impacting the, the decisions that people are making or what people down on earth are able to do. So for instance, at one point up in you know heaven or wherever the hell they are, they manage to, or you know, the king of heaven manages to sort of get his way just a tiny bit and down on earth we see that a rainstorm uncovers the body of a rung so a rung the real rung who was alive has been dead for at this point about three years and her body this you know this water comes gushing over a cliff and just slowly uncovers her body and through some creepy creepy miracle you know she's not rotted but she is dead and it is such an intense creepy scene seeing them uncover you know beautiful rung from this dirt and she's just covered in stains and it's so disturbing but so well done so the mystery for me is it's just really well written I find it really interesting and you know every episode there's just like a little extra layer to it Next up, for number six, I want to talk about the side characters and also I think the comedy that the side characters bring into the story, which I really, really enjoy. So we basically have, you know, our main leads and then we have each of them sort of has, I guess, a friend or a confidant, um, basically a nose slave because he has a slave. And then, you know, back then, that's just that's just how you do that. That's fine, apparently. So. Uh, Anno's slave is called Dolso and Dolso is basically just a big you know silly doofus of a dude but I find him very funny and quite charming actually you know he's just very silly and he completely loves Anno he's devoted he'll just do anything 
And then Arang has a shaman and this oh, a shaman. So this shaman can hear Arang when she's a ghost but can't see her. And this shaman wants nothing more than to be able to see ghosts. And she is also terrified of everything. So I kind of like, you know, the kind of comedic value that those two side characters bring to kind of lighten up the show. Um, I think at the start, Ano and Arang have, you know, a very bickery kind of relationship. So it's quite fun and light. But as things deepen and get a bit darker, it's still nice to have the kind of pettiness of Dolso and, you know, the silliness of um, the shaman whose name is Bangwo. There's also other characters that I really like. So there's these three sort of secretaries who work at the government office. So once Anno becomes a magistrate, he ends up with, you know, all these underlings, basically. But these underlings, all of whom are named Bung, so I think they just get called like the three bungs, which is very amusing. Uh, basically three like, you know, complete bumbling Tweedledee kind of types. They're complete doofuses and they all, you know, they're government officials, but they all answer to the big bad in this drama, which is nobleman Choi. And they just are so silly and amusing as they, you know, they're trying to, you know, crawl over each other to sort of please whoever's near them, but also backstabbing everyone. And also weirdly, considering they're sort of bad guys, they're very, very likable and funny. And I really enjoyed all their scenes in this drama. The other kind of side characters that I think are very... (sighs) maybe unintentionally funny. So <laughs> very famous actor, Yu Sung Ho is actually in this drama. He plays the King of Heaven and he's obviously, you know, the same age as his you know, counterpart, the King of Hell, who's played by a different actor who's, you know, much, much older. So that's kind of amusing. But basically the unintentionally funny thing about these two, other than, you know, the green screen thing that I saw where they forgot to CGI in the clouds and shit is the wigs. The wigs are fucking terrible. <laughs> they look so funny, particularly poor Yu Sung Ho. He's obviously, you know, a very good looking young man and he has this insane sort of crazy wispy thing stuck to his head. So I find that very amusing. Other than maybe, you know, the silly wigs and some of their interactions, you know, the King of Hell and the King of Heaven is a little bit comedic, but on the whole, those guys are pretty pretty epic actually I really liked kind of realizing that their conversations and what they're doing with the Baduk board is actually you know having consequences on earth um of course in terms of comedy there is another thing that's just fucking hilarious and weird about this show is that the king of heaven you know when he kind of retreats to his own realm he has this you know beautiful sort of misty floaty garden filled with flowers and within it he has this like little white goat with you know flowers sort of popping up all over it and the king of heaven likes to water it and eventually you realize that the goat with its little flowers is literally earth it is a representation of the mortal plane and when he's watering these little goat flowers down on earth it's pouring rain and like a rung's getting wet it's very funny but kind of cool like I really really liked it even though I'm like what we're a freaking goat now but yeah I I thought it was quite excellent and the only other thing I wanted to mention for you know the comedic side of side of things is there's a scene in this drama 
that I think is probably quite famous. Like I remember everyone on the website Drama Beans talking about it a lot in the comments section. This particular episode where Arang and Uno get kind of stuck down this crazy cave and there's a really creepy, scary demon stuck in there with them. And they're running away and they're trying to get out and they can't get out. And then there's this big ladder just sitting against the wall and they just kind of run past it and you're like hey why don't you take that cool ladder there and then you realize later (laughs) that it's clearly just an issue with the set you know they just haven't removed it and I'm always interested by this you know like you know that a green screen thing can make it to the final product and that something as obvious as a huge ladder in an escape scene just stays in the shot and I I think I can only imagine that once again comes back to that really tight live shooting schedule where things are just going to slide because people are human and you can only do what you can do in such a tight schedule but frankly you know all of those things only amused me they don't take away from my enjoyment of you know such an excellent well put together drama Next up for the number seven reason to love Arung and the Magistrate would be the baddies. I actually think the baddies in this are quite well done. The main, mm, not really the main baddie, but sort of the main nobleman baddie who's nobleman Choi. He's this really old, horrible dude who likes to throw blocks at people's heads and just generally be a complete horrible old menace. He is a very rich and powerful man in this tiny little backwater nowhere town and that's what I quite like about him so you kind of figure out after a while that he is basically in a way he's a nobody who has sold his soul for riches and luxury and you know in return for you know getting all these things that he wanted he basically has to murder young women for a demon to keep her forever alive and this horrible demon woman thing is hanging out inside the body of Ano's missing mum who looks mad in this like completely mad I, I can only presume that there is some serious plastic surgery going on with this woman and she is perfectly cast for this drama to play a completely mental mad demon woman like she just looks amazing but the scenes where she's supposed to be you know the slave and the mother and that you know the real side of it is just she looks crazy she's a crazy looking person but it's wonderful she's so well cast she's really really good in this but she I feel has had just a little bit too much it's a little bit noticeable my number eight reason to love this drama is the romance um I loved it. I found it so moving. It starts off as an absolute sort of bickering enemies, you know, enemies to lovers sort of trope. When they first meet, um, you know, Arang is basically trying to get Ono to do what she wants to help her. And she decides that he's a good person, that she can tell he's a good person. And he is quite convinced that he is not a good person. And he has 
absolutely no interest in helping her whatsoever. So they're just constantly at each other's throats, but in a very fun, bickering kind of way. But very early on, you see the shift. You see, I know, like having dreams about Arang, you know, like a dream where she kisses him that he's very shocked by. But of course, we know what it means. And very early on moments where he's very moved by her, where he um, buys her new clothes because she's been wearing the same shit for like three years since she became a ghost and it's all ratty and torn and he has to measure her and he's incredibly moved by the experience like very very affected by you know being so close to her and touching her and I think she notices as well but very obviously I think from the start it's not that the romance is you know unrequited on Uno's side towards Arang I think she you know, she's friends with him. She trusts him. She cares about him. He's a huge part of everything that she's doing. But at the same time, Arang is very much so aware that she, to get what she wants, which is to find out who killed her, she is throwing herself into intense danger. And it's one of the things I loved about her character. There, you know, she's, she is afraid. I'm sure she is, but she throws herself in with no thought to what might happen to her, no thought of her safety. And I think that because she understands that she might disappear, that no one might remember she even existed, you know, that she'll get wiped from the earth or, you know, the best case scenario, just die. She's not really out to, I guess, entangle Ano in an in you know her feelings she's not out to have a, a romantic interest in somebody she is just so focused on her goal and in some ways it kind of leaves Anno sort of trailing after her and worrying about her and thinking about her because like I said at the start of this drama particularly she's the protagonist she's the one who's out doing stuff she's making stuff happen I really like the dynamic that he sort of you know as much as they bicker and fight he does fall first and when she comes back as a human you know it doesn't take long at all for him to fall hard it is really well done as the emotions in this drama turn from you know cute fun bickering at each other's throats to deep and emotional and you I think it's just Lee Jun Ki. Like he can just act with his eyes, and he looks at Arang, and you just see what he feels for her in his eyes, and he has such nice eyes. Like it is so well done. I found it so moving. But of course, Arang is fully aware that she has. I believe it's a three-month time limit. You know, she doesn't find out who killed her in three months. Not only is she gonna not be there. It's not that she's just going to die and then Uno can feel sad about it. She will get wiped from living memory. She will cease to exist, which is horrifying when you actually think about it. Like in terms of consequences, that is pretty fucking good. That is scary stuff. And it obviously drives her to try and solve this mystery, to understand that there's this time limit on her. And I feel like it's not that she doesn't have feelings for him but I do feel that it's very much she is pushing those feelings away and refusing to face them you know just refusing not refusing to accept them but refusing to think about it it's like she's holding the actual way she feels at arm's length 
And of course, Onoru is not really doing that. He is just fallen so hard for her. And there is one of my favorite scenes in the whole drama where he confesses. He tries to confess. And as he tries to tell her how he feels, she shuts him down. She just shuts him off and she's just kind of telling him, don't say it. Like she knows what he's about to say. And she's just like, no, don't say it. Don't say it. And the look in his eyes, like the hurt and you know how much he loves her and how awful and agonizing the situation is. Like, man, I keep saying it on this podcast, but I am just, I love these kind of real angsty agonizing like you know mellow sort of moments in the romance I just adore it and I just loved this confession scene so much and I also loved that you know the next day when Ono goes to find her he kind of lets her off the hook you know he's he just well he tries to actually I think for only a small while he can't really handle it because she's sort of hanging out with the second male lead in this drama and sort of the third prong of a love triangle so I think he really tries hard to understand Orang and understand what she's going through and try not to put pressure on her because you know he understands it's one more worry for her on top of everything else but for him it's different he just can't let go so the romance for me in this is just fucking great all the way to the end and you know the ultimate sacrifice that is made and you know the end of this drama which I actually really liked the number nine reason to love this Korean drama is the other baddie that I haven't mentioned so far and also his sort of involvement in the love triangle. It is very, very, very interesting that this drama, in its own way, it does have a love triangle, but it's a very interesting one because Arung, as she is, as she is right now, is, you know, having sort of her romantic sort of entanglement with, is with Ano, who loves her as she is now. But Arang, in the past, when she was still alive, was completely in head over heels, unrequited love with this young nobleman of the village who we find out is entangled in all the bad plot and is actually, you know, a slave who has been risen up to a nobleman basically because he sold his soul to this demon lady and has to do her bidding. So it is very, very interesting that Pastor Rung is in love with Juwol. Juwol didn't know Pastor Rung at all from a bar of soap, and he is interested in present Arung. So it's very, very tangled. But the other thing that I love about it is that Juwol, who is, you know, this kind of baddie nobleman guy, he is he actually is a bad guy. Oh, it's so interesting. So he's a slave who, you know, was basically about to die of starvation on the street before he gets offered everything he could have ever wanted from this demon woman person. And you think, you know, this, this boy's like, I don't know how old he is, like 10. Like, you're not going to say no to an offer like that when you, you cannot eat, you're going to die on the street. So he becomes a noble son of, you know, a fake noble son of nobleman Choi in this village in Milyang. And in return for this life of everything that he ever dreamed, he has to murder young women for this demon. Like, bring them to her 
and kills him. It is so intense. And he gets his memory wiped so that he doesn't have to live with the guilt and consequences of what he's done. But the truth is, he does it. He does it every time and then he gets his memory wiped. He knows he does it. He's aware. He's just spared the details of it. So he is a wonderfully complex character, played by the actor Yeon Woo Jin. I don't like this actor and it is completely petty reasons. I just, I just, whatever reason that I have, I don't like his face. I just don't like it. And it sucks because I get the impression he's in some very, very good dramas. One of which I think is airing very soon. That looks really good. I love the female lead in it and I just don't want to look at his face. So I know that's super petty, but that is how I feel. But in terms of the love triangle, yeah. It really worked. It was very interesting. Jewel isn't really a contender for Arung's feelings now, but she cert he certainly plays a, a role in, you know, the developing relationship between Arung and Uno because he drives things forward. You know, he makes Uno very, you know, petty and jealous and just creates, I guess, a drive in everything. And I love that at the end when he has sort of, realize that he is completely in love with Arang. He also has to face the truth and the truth is that he was heavily involved in her murder. And that is such an interesting complex story for, you know, a second male lead to be going through in a drama. It also the end like what happens to him at the end really blew me away because what he actually does is he just drops over the edge of a cliff. He does it himself. The place where Arang died, he he basically kills himself. And it's a very, very heavy thing because even though he's done atrocious things, he's not completely unlikable. You know, you do feel sorry for him. You understand why he's, he's taken the route in his life that he has. And it's a very confronting, brutal end to a character that you have very mixed and complicated feelings towards. But he does get turned into a reaper, which eh, I don't know if it's like, a, it's not happy. Maybe it's bittersweet. I don't think he looks happy being a reaper, you know. But I guess maybe it's better than going to hell. I don't know. Number 10 reason to love this drama is the romance. Obviously, you knew I was going to say that twice. And it's not that I can't think of other wonderful things about this drama to like wax on about. I totally could. This drama is gold. It's so good. But the romance for me in every one of my absolute favorite dramas, that is one of the, if not the pulling point for me. You know, when that works in a drama, that's generally when I begin to get, you know, utterly into it, like just totally hooked. And I have to say this drama isn't the kind of drama that is only about the romance. It has a very complex and solid plot that I think is really well written. You know, it has amazing mythology and very, you know, complex side characters and so much going on. But for me, the romance is, you know, it is a major point in this drama and it is the heart of it. The characters of Ano and Arang as they develop and change through this drama and both of them go through massive transformations. And even though, you know, like I mentioned, I don't completely love Arang's sort of final little transformation. I still really appreciate the character growth and 
you know, the romantic relationship growth in this drama. There's a lot of push and pull between them, particularly at the start when they're still sort of in the bickering kind of mode or when he's, you know, in love with her and she's trying to ignore it. Like there's some wonderful, you know, romantic story beats in there that I feel like as a writer, I can definitely learn from. And I think it's just, it's really written to perfection, their romance as it develops and unfolds. It's so good. So I guess that's it for my review or my discussion about 10 reasons uh, to love Arang and the Magistrate. And I really hope if you haven't watched it, that you might go out and give it a go. Uh, If you have watched it, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure I've spoiled everything anyway, but you know, a a spoiler, spoilery, Hmm, it's a hard word to say. So, you know, for the ending of this drama, it kind of ends with Ano having not having to at all, choosing to sacrifice himself for Arang. He saves her, but in doing so, you know, he makes the ultimate sacrifice and he dies. But because of this sacrifice, the gods kind of stand in and they reincarnate the both of them. So again, that's such a good example of consequences, you know, like this drama, the stakes are high. It is life and death because even if you die and you get to live again, you don't get to just you know, ping back to life and everything's wonderful. Like they both die in that lifetime. They're gone. They're wiped clean. They begin again as babies, you know, a different generation. And you hope that everything will work out for them this next time around. And we kind of see in this, I guess it's an epilogue really, you know, both of them together and Arang remembers everything, but Ano doesn't. And, you know, they're obviously you know, they're obviously going to get married and live happily in their little world, still living in Milyang. And I, it's an interesting one. I, sometimes I have kind of complex reactions to the whole time jump ending, like get a happy ending, but we're going to time jump and, you know, particularly jumping, you know, into a different, you know, complete different time period or something like Goo Family Book, or in this case, you know, just reincarnated. But I actually quite liked this one. And I really, you know, I don't think it says either way. I think they very much leave it up to the watcher to make that decision. But I feel like Ano does remember what's happened. And I think, I don't know, maybe he's spending a whole lifetime, you know, just teasing a rung and pretending that he doesn't. And they're together. They're happy. He's with her all the way. And I kind of imagine maybe when they're like 90 years old and they're crinkly as fuck and they're on their deathbed, he'll finally admit to her the truth that he's just been teasing her for like that whole 90 years. But I think it's a really good ending. And I also feel like those characters will actually stay together, which is really nice if you watch a romantic drama to feel like the characters actually love each other and would, you know, live a lifetime together. So that's my whole discussion on Arung and the Magistrate, which is one of my favourite dramas ever. It is time for my random thing of the week. So you may remember at the very beginning of this episode, when I introduced uh, you to the K-drama, Arung and the Magistrate, I read out the beginning quote at the start of the drama, which began, it is the Joseon era, avarice has thrown the world into chaos and nature into devastation. So I totally didn't know what avarice was. The subs said the word and I wrote it down and I put a big red circle around it because I was like, what is that? 
I'm a writer and I feel like I probably should know a lot of words because I'm meant to use a lot of words when I write novels and fiction, but I had never heard it before or if I did hear it, I just clearly had ignored it my whole life. So um, for my completely random thing of the week, I thought I'd look it up. I mean, why not? So avarice or avarice, I'm not really sure. I'm going to say avarice. It means extreme greed for wealth or material gain. The definition of avarice means greed or a great desire to be rich. An example of avarice is deciding which college degree to get and which job to take based only on the expected salary. So there you go. There's also a little picture on Wikipedia of a big white businessman eating lots of money with a knife and fork. So that's my random thing of the week. Something that I am loving this week is, uh, I was going to say, it's watching 100 Days My Prince, which is, you know, the K-drama that I am currently consuming. However, it's kind of, I have very complex feelings towards it, which I'm hoping I will finish it soon so I can talk about it on a future podcast. I'm really, really loving it, but, but not like all of it. (laughs) I'm, what I'm really, really freaking loving in this drama is, a side plot and the side plot is a barest anything of the drama itself like it really gets barely any screen time and I'm freaking obsessed I'm just like the setup of this side plot in 100 days my prince is the coolest thing ever and I wish it was the whole drama or that someone would just pick it out with the same casting and give me a whole drama based on it so I guess I better tell you like what I'm actually talking about so 100 days my prince is a 2018 drama so it is starring Nam Ji Hyun who is wonderful I completely love her and a male lead who I've never seen in anything before his name is Do Kyung Soo and I think people call him D.O. I will talk about it in the future but I have mixed feelings Uh, I'm sure people love him a lot, but I'm not sure. So anyway, the thing that I am loving this week is the side plot. There is a crown princess in this drama and she's clearly, you know, she's not evil because circumstances, you know, like have forced her to be who she is and she's just trying to survive. But she is, you know, cruel and conniving and smart and clever and manipulative and beautiful and sharp. Like she is such a good character. And there is also in this drama, her father is this high up premier who's completely evil and, you know, power hungry and whatever. And her father has this, you know, young, super, 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 super handsome um, assassin. And the assassin is clearly, they have some sort of secret, like, love story thing going on between the crown princess and the assassin. And why is there not a drama where the main character is a fucking crown princess and her love interest is an assassin because I really, 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 really want to watch that. So that is something that I'm loving this week. I am loving it, but it's such a small part of the drama that I'm kind of also hating it. It's very confusing. 